0: Thank you, Rick and Nancy. Be turning to the book of Acts, chapter 17. The book of Acts, chapter 17. We'll begin in verse 14. This will be a follow up of uh, our service this morning. And uh, I'm aware of the fact that our service this morning went a little longer than uh, most of our services do. So to reward you for coming back to church tonight, we may go a little shorter than most services do. But I want to follow up with uh, a thought here from the book of Acts, and it all has to do with the things that we heard this morning. It all ties in with a biblical perspective and a pattern uh, of ministry that that was established by the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 14. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Now, Paul has been run out of town again. uh, That happened a lot. So we're, we're, we're getting to the point where Paul is, is getting out of town, and then, of course, we'll, we'll take up the action there. And immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. That's at Berea. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens. And receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, They departed. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw the city was wholly given over to idols. Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him and some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods, because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak? For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time In nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considered the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Neither is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all breath, life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell upon the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord and hope that they would, might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and men's devising. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he hath ordained, and has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear you again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed. Among them, Dionysius, the Areopagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you the relevance of your word. And Father, the work that you have started, even as far back as the Apostle Paul, we are still in that work. Thank you, Father, for the work you give us to do. Help us to see some principles to live by and to operate by as we look into your word tonight. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Paul is alone in Athens. One of the few times we see him alone. Paul generally was with a missionary team, but he was alone just for a little bit of time. And it says, when he was alone in Athens, his spirit was stirred. He was provoked because he saw that they had so many idols. They were totally given to idols. And what it was, there was a a lane down the middle of town. And on each side of the lane, there were statues to all of the gods. They were so worried that they would leave one out that there was one called to the unknown god. Because they had so many gods and goddesses. They wanted to just make sure that they threw that one in. Now, the new King James says religious. I think the the King James says, I see that you're superstitious about a lot of things. That's really what it was. So to make sure they didn't bring any bad luck on them, they had to the unknown God. We don't know who you are, but we're going to worship you. Now, Paul capitalized on this. He said, I can tell you who it is. I can tell you who the unknown God is. You don't know him, but he made you. And he preaches to them Jesus. Now, Paul preaches a sermon to those who would have never heard the word in a synagogue. However, he did preach some in the synagogue, and he preached in the marketplace. And in the marketplace, they said, we want to hear what you have to say. And he preached a masterful sermon, and he preached a sermon to the point where, yes, some mocked and some scoffed. Now, we're going to look at those people, or we're going to look at the last verse. However, some of them believed. Some of them believed. And it was even a hometown person, the Aropagite, someone from right there in the neighborhood, not just from Athens, but right in the neighborhood. Now, he preached this sermon at their gathering place called the Areopagus. It's a Greek word. And the Greek word means this, big piece of rock. That's what it means, and what this is is a bare marble hill. Now, if you if you ever study about Athens, up towering over Athens is called the Acropolis, where you have a lot of the big temples and the major ancient Greek uh, constructions up there. It's just ancient building after ancient building. Those huge. Big, rocky outcrop. To the northwest of that, slightly lower, is this Oropagus. But it's all in the neighborhood of all these things. It's their gathering place. Now, in ancient Greece, the Oropagus is where the council of elders would meet. And they would meet at that place, but their, their council was also called Oropagus. Kind of like Wall Street. Wall Street is not just a street. Wall Street is what goes on there, right? Wall Street is is the transaction place. Oropagus was the place, but it's also what went on there. So we understand the location was very familiar to the people. They had easy access to it. Well, I know it was a big climb, but they knew how to get there very easily. And that's an important point. And since it was rock and it was out of marble and the way it was constructed, because a council of elders met there, the acoustics were very favorable to addressing a large number of people. The place was built and developed and designed so they could reach as many people as possible when someone spoke. That was the technology of the times. That's what it was developed for. This, developed, this, this location, however, was developed for another purpose other than the gospel. You remember in ancient Greece, this was hundreds of years old, they developed this for their elders' meeting, for their senate meeting. That's what they developed it for. They developed a place and the acoustics for another purpose. But Paul capitalized on that development of technology. The way they had it constructed and where it was constructed, you could hear very well. It was constructed in a place where people knew where it was. It was prominent. You couldn't miss it. So you could make sure that all the people that could possibly hear the message heard the message. He utilized the technology to the advantage to reach people that otherwise wouldn't hear the gospel. That's what happened at the Eropagus. So you see exactly what's going on here is exactly what we talked about today. You see, in order to get there even, Paul utilized other technology. Now when we think of technology, what do we think of? Electronics. But technology is, is anything that you work with to bring about a desired end, Paul got there on the Roman roads. Now, for a couple of hundred years, Rome had perfected the materials and the design of the roadbeds to the point where over 2,000 years later, those roads were still there. Now, those roads were not developed for the early church. According to the Roman people, they didn't have the early church in mind. They were developed for military purposes. They were developed for commercial purposes. You see, the Roman roads, the one who built them, didn't have the gospel in mind. But when the early church exploded and began to go through all of the world, they had good roads to travel by. And travel was very quick. You see, the early church Capitalized on technology that was developed for other purposes. But they utilized it, and now the gospel was spread very quickly. Paul capitalized the technology of the Oropagus and was able to reach people who couldn't hear the gospel otherwise. So now we come to what we're dealing with this morning. The technology that we talked about this morning, the internet cloud, I'm not really sure what team of people over in Silicon Valley in California developed all these microchips and processors and all, but I'm willing to say not many, if any, of them, as they developed computers, said, Wow, this will be great for the spread of the gospel. They developed these things for what? To make money, they developed these things for other purposes. But now, through ministries like LifeWord, we are utilizing the technology of the cloud, of the internet, of satellite communications all over the world for the spread of the gospel. Somebody else developed it for a whole different set of reasons, but we're able to use it. And, you know, there may be some who are resistant, say, well, I think we ought to stick with the old way of doing things. Well, the old way of doing things at one time was the new way of doing things. But let me tell you about how LifeWords started. It's kind of hard to understand. LifeWords started at the time in 1965 with really the best of technology that was available for communication. Harold Morris was in Bolivia ministering and had to leave because of the persecution. He came to the States, and then he realized the United States needed missionaries as much as anyone, so he devised a plan to reach people in the United States. So the latest technology available was a reel-to-reel recorder. And the first message ever recorded What would become Orb was recorded in his living room in Conway, Arkansas, in 1965. And he took that reel-to-reel tape recording and took it to a radio station. And that technology allowed him to reach thousands of people with a sermon from his living room. In fact, I was talking to Jim Sayers uh, years ago. We were talking about the development of Orb. He said... And at that time, what you remember, it was the Harvest Gleaner Hour. Let me tell you why we changed the name. Because, first of all, it was hard for foreigners to pronounce. And nobody had an idea what a gleaner was. You know, we know what the gleaner is, is that they, they take the grapes after the harvest is done. But that was, so they changed it to Life Word. He said, but for years. You know what the Life Word studio was? A.R. Redden carried a reel-to-reel recorder in the trunk of his car. They had no studio, and he would go different places and record sermons from other guys and record sermons uh, in other places and then go and find cheap radio time. Now, that was the latest of technology. Now, we would say, well, we need to do it like they started. Well, we're not using the latest of technology they were But now as technology developed, in 1975, they purchased and built land and built a new studio to capitalize on television. And they began to do televised and videos. Then, of course, the computer came along with the Internet. So we can reach billions of people with the Internet now. We can reach billions of people with the internet. So instead of thinking, man, this is just a gimmick, let's let's look at the biblical precedent. The biblical precedent is the Apostle Paul utilized the technology at hand to reach as many people as possible to be able to hear the gospel as clearly as they possibly could. I know it was just a big marble hill and an amphitheater chiseled out of rock, but that was the technology at hand. He used somebody else's technology, and a lot of people were saved. And now, with this equipment that uh, Brother Luis showed us in the cloud, people all over the world can hear the gospel even if a missionary never sets foot there. So where does that leave us? Well, as I mentioned this morning, I'd kind of like to be in on this action. And I know that we, we uh, support LifeWord with a monthly uh, donation. Well, I, I can't get excited about a fund. But here's what I'm going to ask Brother Louise to do. I'm going to ask him to say, you tell me, where y'all would really need some of these stations. Give me a place. Maybe you've already got some some missionaries asking for them. And, And you find out how many you need. And then you find out how much it's going to cost to send your team over and get back with us. And I'll put a map up right there, and we'll show the congregation where we can make a difference. For $350 for these they say they try to get at least a few of them up, so they capitalize. And perhaps you know, if we could buy several of these and send somebody over and say, "There's where Brister's footprint is," in that village right there, on that mountain right there. I, I think that I like that idea, and I I would think that'd be a lot easier and, and a lot better than just sending money to a fund where we can say, "There's where our equipment went." I'm I get all excited about that, and I hope you would too. So. Prepare to hear from me in the future on this. And let's capitalize on this technology, on these little radio systems. And in the meantime, uh, we can capitalize on the LifeWord cloud by accessing it. And the offerings we send to them for money helps fund this uh, ongoing uh, development of this technology. So that means what's going on here is not contained with just these few acres is it it's going all over the world because from right here at brister we can make an impact all over the world i like utilizing somebody else's technology for the work of the church and i'm in is there anything before we close let's stand and be just